Welcome to the Audible Ecstasy Podcast. Each week we sit around and discuss the music from our past. Sometimes we agree. I call it iconic. It's a 10. That riff is un- it's incredible. Clearly a 10. This is one of the most iconic songs of the 80s. Um, iconic from start to finish. And sometimes we disagree. The song sounds like something you might hear at your aunt's funeral. The absolute worst lyrics ever. With the juvenile flush on that one? <laughs> I'm not dealing with that. I'm not dealing with that crap. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. And we're back again with yet another Audible Ecstasy podcast. This week, guys, we are doing Anthony's Pick. It is the 1984 album by Twisted Sister called Stay Hungry. Guys, y'all ready to get into this? This should be fun. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. Anthony, let's hear your right, tagline this week, man. I know you got a good one for this. I actually don't. I can't think of nothing for this one. I was going to say, like, it's the Audible Ecstasy podcast. We're not going to take it. It didn't make sense. So what I want to do is read a little poetry to you. You guys ready for it? <laughs> I'm glad here, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, it's so nice to see you all inside my dreamy little world. And it's so nice to be with all you lovely little boys and girls. Make yourselves comfortable. My place is so divine. Don't you think I'm wonderful? Say yes, you're on my time. Stay away from Captain Howdy. Stay away from Captain Howdy. And happy Halloween. Very good, very yeah. good. Yeah. I figured we needed a Halloween thing this weekend. It's Halloween, so I was like, can't think yeah, of nothing, yeah. so well, I'll just be as creepy kind of as like I Mr. can be. Tinker Train, or what's it? What's Mr. What's, what's That's what they call me. Yeah. <laughs> call me Mr. Tinker Train. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Jesus Christ. It was a black van with no windows. All right, nonetheless, yeah. let's, uh, tell you what. <laughs> let's get free candy. Free candy. <laughs> we just had, I'll tell you, random thing yeah, we, one day before we get started. We're off the free, rails immediately. Free, free <laughs> candy, I'm telling free puppies. Free puppies and kittens. Creepy as crap, 6.30, middle of freaking October, a damn ice cream truck comes down the street. Mm-hmm. And this is the middle of October, 6.30 in the evening. Please tell me it was a clown driving. Please tell me I didn't clown look, driving. but I was like, uh, what? I heard that little dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee. I was like, what the? And we just entered out there. So, happy Halloween. Hey, you know what? That'd be the perfect thing to take your kids trick-or-treating in one of those trucks. God, it's terrible. Have y'all seen the movie Ice Cream Man, by the way? I have not. Uh, I don't think so. No. Uh, Clint Howard plays the lead, Ron Howard's brother. So I don't but think he, I've ever seen he, it. He can play some creepy parts. <clears throat> he plays some Yeah, he is, he's a creeper for sure, yeah. So. All right, let's get back on the track, kids. Because folks are here to listen you know, to. He, he gives that appearance, right? We are completely off the rails. Hey, it's Halloween. Uh, I'm trying to get the is, Halloween vibe going, man. Apparently, so. you guys are still drinking. Stay hungry. Here it goes.
my. Oh, my. So, Twisted Sisters first track, Stay Hungry. They're coming out firing on all cylinders. Uh, I think this is the album that came out, uh, came out right after the You Can't Stop Rock and Roll Tour. And that album, although it's got pretty good reviews across seas, didn't really do a lot here in the United States. But Stay Hungry, however, it entered the MTV generation. This album absolutely starts off on fire. Um, I mean, the beat, the bass, the groove, the power chords, everything is working. It gets the listener pumped up. I have always loved this song. I think everything about this song works. It's memorable, easy to sing along with, has some guitar aerobics going on, and there's a that pounding groove. I think this song is an outstanding opener. I'm at a nine. Chris, what do you think about Stay Hungry? Yeah, it's a good opener. I agree with you guys on that. It's got high energy. It's fast pace. Uh, kind of catchy chorus, easy to sing along to. It's a pretty good guitar solo. I think D sounds pretty good. Uh, I guess I gave it an excellent. I think it's an eight. So that's where I stand on that one. All right, Anthony, what do you think about Stay Hungry? Yeah, Stay Hungry. It's a it's a solid way to lead an album in. Heavy, aggressive, loud, and my favorite word. We know what it is, right? Bombastic. <laughs> Bombastic. <laughs> Uh, Deed sounds as good as ever on vocals, uh, pounding drums. The guitar solo is blistering. Yeah, I gave it an eight. I think it's excellent. No issues, man. So take away. I'm surprised this wasn't a, a, a single for these guys. Honestly, I was surprised as well because this is a powerful song. It's one of the better ones on this album for sure. All right, so let's go to track number two. It's called We're Not Gonna Take It. gonna take it never heard it until this week it was an unusual track to be the second song it's, it's unbelievably deep uh, cut it's kind of has a little <laughs> bit of a a little bit of a groove going on there i, I kind of started to like it i actually i mean let's <laughs> listen here's where the praises start coming in i mean this is instantly recognizable from that intro drum roll the song itself was in constant rotation on mtv and I mean, I think this out al- this album came out in 1984, May of 84. I remember trying to find this when I was a kid in 84. When my mom would give me like 10 or 15 bucks to go to my grandparents' house for you know for a few weeks in the summer, and I tried to find this. I got this man because of this video on MTV. I'm just telling you right now, this is why I bought this album. Um, I mean, this is literally one of the most one of the first videos I can remember having somebody from a movie from a movie in it. If you guys remember Animal House, the movie, uh, was yeah. it Niedermeyer is in this? Yeah, Niedermeyer. And he's, he is basically adding a comedic element to this song, which, you know, made this video famous, let's face it. Um, 
I mean, the video may be more famous than the song at this point, uh, and I think the song stands the test of time. I mean, it's absolutely iconic. I mean, in my ears, this is Twisted Sister and rock perfection. I'm at a 10. Chris, what'd you think about We're Not Gonna Take It? Yeah, well, I don't look at this a lot for this um, these guys, but it is their highest stream song, obviously. Uh, oh. But it, the number was surprising. It's over 300 million streams. Which, I mean, what were we talking, I don't even remember, what did we listen to last week? I remember, like, being surprised how low, what did we read last week? I can't even remember. You guys remember? Bad Company, wasn't it? Bad, yeah, yeah, bad yeah company that's on. right. Yeah. And I was like, one of those had, <laughs> I mean, it was much lower on the streams. And it was a very, you know, I think the song Bad Company, I was like, so low. This is over 300 million. So, you know, in this time frame, 1984 album, for a song to have that many streams, it's pretty impressive. Um, and again, that's not everything, but it's some, it's worth noting. Uh, I'm sure this thing was in a hundred different movie soundtracks. I mean, it's just, you, this is weaved into pop culture for the eighties. This song is, it's a rock anthem, uh, extremely easy to sing along to yet again. I mean, it's just like something, one of these things you just pump your fist when you're, you're singing. You're, you're right, Jimmy. This is an easy 10. There's, there's no debate about that. Fantastic art, Anthony. We're not going to take it. <laughs> Songfacts.com. It said, uh, in her interview with Twisted Sister frontman D. Snyder, he explained, with, we're not going to take it, whether I was singing about my parents, my teachers, my bosses, my peers, people around me, I felt it was important not to define it by actually naming names and singing, Dad, you're so trite and jaded, I hate my teachers too. And thus, the song has had a life in sporting events, at political rallies, at protests, Pretty much anybody who's not taking something from somebody else, they're going to break into we're not going to take it all over the world. So that was kind of interesting that he wrote it more of a neutral way so anybody could use it, you know. So, And then Dee Snyder started writing this song in 1980, two years before Twisted Sister released their first album, Under the Blade. He had the hook, but couldn't come up with a verse melody. After Death Leopard released their Pyromania album in 1983, Snyder came up with a plan. He said, in studying some of Mutt Lang's work with Death Leopard, I saw that a number of their songs were using variations on the chorus as a verse, he told us. That gave me the information I needed to come up with the rest of We're Not Going to Take It. And, the last paragraph here, in 1985, the PMRC, vein in my, <laughs> thorn in my butt, uh, a group led by Tipper Gore's wife, of course, pushed to get warning labels attached to albums with explicit lyrics. They included this song in their list of 15 they deemed most offensive, citing it for violence. So, I know, I was like, what? What are you talking about violence? Wow. Well, I mean, I, I don't I think it. I got that confused with anything else in there. Yeah, that's, so. that's ridiculous. Yeah, but apparently it was D. Snyder, Frank Zappa, I think John Denver, um, maybe somebody else that was there protesting. Mr. Sunshine on my god darn show. They're at PMRC protesting this stuff. So John Denver is even protesting the PMRC. It wasn't just these big heavy hitters. You know, a guy who was Mr. Sunshine on my shoulders. I mean, he's protesting it too. So John yeah. Denver is a saint. How dare you? <laughs> hey, I love John Denver now. It was well, one of my what... first experiences with music was John Denver. My dad had him on the house, so. I'm well, let me touch on one of the things you said earlier. You were talking about Mutt Lang. Did did you say that the way you worded it, it kind of sounded like what you meant was these bands that he represents kind of like take their 
chorus and just kind of repeat it over and over again in different ways. Is that kind of like... I, I guess. I guess is the yeah. way he meant by that. So it just sort of the way Muttling, I guess, that, 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 that Def Leppard sound that he was yeah. like, I like that. So I'm going to see if I can make it into a Twisted Sister sound. So that's kind of... Because, yeah, out. that's a good point. And I never thought about that before, but I do think a lot of the stuff he touches is like kind of repetitive in the chorus. Yeah. Not so, a bad thing. It's just like, you know... It's what it, works. It maybe... Right. Yeah, it's some some might be like a psychological thing there that it's just people, I don't know, makes the chorus easy to sing if you if you're just singing the same thing over and over again in maybe slightly different ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. And I just Good realized right. I didn't get my spiel yet either. I was sitting. I was Throw like, your like, spiel put, out there. I put my phone down. I was ready to get the next away, song. And I was like, wait a minute, I haven't spilled yet. <laughs> we so. never got a score. I'm pretty sure I know what it is, but. <laughs> 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 Anthony's flush of the week. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a perfect song for Twisted Sister. It's a perfect 80s song. Uh, it's one of the big ones to come out of that decade. You know, the band's on fire. Love the chorus, the harmonies, the sing-along nature of it. You know, Dee has a great voice for a song like this. It's kind of just hard not to pump your fist and sing along to this one, crank it at full volume, and just scream it going down the road. And They may think you're a crazy old man doing it, but who cares? The song rocks. So it's a 10. It's perfection. So Absolutely. Wouldn't expect anything less. That's a 30 for sure. All right, guys, let's go to track three. It's called Burn in Hell. Chris, hit it. There's just five words to say. And it's dark. Oh, my God. All right, guys. So, Burning Hell. So, this track goes a little darker with a little slow start and that tiny, uh, that little guitar leading, if you will. The song wants you to believe that it's promoting something evil, but lyrically, this song couldn't be farther from the truth. I mean, in all serious, seriousness, Striper could cover this song without any problems. Um, I mean, I enjoyed this tune so much. Uh, I remember this, loving it as a child, uh, because I thought it meant something completely different when I was a kid. But lyrically, when I read it, holy smokes, I'm like, wow, this is actually talking about almost faith. You know, if you don't change your ways, you're going to go to hell. You're going to burn in hell. You know, take a look at yourself and, and, and compare it to what's going around you. Man, I've always loved this song, not even knowing what it meant. Uh, the chorus, it's memorable, fantastic, easy to sing along with. We didn't even get to the main chorus, man. I mean, this song is such a long introduction before it kicks in. We couldn't justifiably get that and the chorus in it, right? I mean, that hear no evil, uh, don't you see no evil, don't you lay no evil down on me. You know, that, that part, fantastic. I mean, I think the song is an excellent tune. <clears throat> 
And at this point, this album is just absolutely killing it. I'm at an eight. Chris, what'd you think about Burning Hell? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I probably could have grabbed a different part there. Uh, this, I kind of Well, like no, the, we have that, limited time, and I understand, because yeah. I knew how long that intro was. It's like, God, this is going to be a tough one to get everything in. So It almost felt Halloweenish that intro. It that did. Like, creepy yeah. kind of slow way it k- kicks in. Um, yeah, I, I tell you what, man, like, I think D's vocals sound really good on this. He, he kind of presents that whole, you know, kind of creepy vibe at the beginning. I never really paid attention to the lyrics on this, Jimmy. <clears throat> you might be right. I, I guess it is kind of more like, uh, I mean, you just hear that, you're going to burn in hell. You know, you just think, I, I don't know. I, you don't think of like maybe like a contemporary Christian type song or something when you hear that. But, but, but I guess that's a good point. Good possibility Man, it, there. I mean, uh, lyrically, it's crazy. Yeah, well, I, I'll take your word for it. I wasn't reading the lyrics when I played or anything. But uh, but anyway, yeah, as far as this song, I think it's pretty rocking tune. It gets stuck in your head. Um there's a pretty good little dueling guitar solo in there. You know, it kind of come in on different channels when you're listening on your headphones, which I, I always appreciate that. That's not the only time they do that on this. How do they do that? I, they, I see they've got... Um, they pan left and pan right depending on which one the uh, guitar so is in. So you think it's just, I mean, this Eddie, uh, what do you say, Ojeda? Is Ojeda. That you is that, do you think it's him on all that, or, or do you think they've got... Uh, well, they Let's had two guitars. Looks like JJ um, French. JJ French would have been your primary and Eddie co-lead guitar on Burn yeah. Hell. So yeah, that's it. They're they're both coming in on different channels, I guess, when they do that. Very cool. I've always liked that. It's not easy to capture when I'm trying. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> as far as that goes, uh, I have to do some magic on the on the soundboard here whenever I try to capture something like that because it doesn't always want to come in properly. But all the same, uh, I, I may be a little low on this. I said it was great. I gave it a seven, but. It's probably one of the better songs on this album, so I should probably probably should have gone a little higher. But uh, no, it's a, yeah, it's a seven. Song, for me. It's still a good score. That's a yeah. good score considering it wasn't a single. That's a really good score. What'd you give right. it, Jimmy? I gave it an eight. I think it's excellent, Anthony. Uh, let's go with you. What do you think about Burning Hell? Uh, songfacts.com. It says uh, a track from Twisted Sisters' album "Stay Hungry." Burning Hell is sung from the perspective of the devil. Warning someone that he's going to join him down below if he stays the course. D. Snyder, who wrote the song, often used dark fantasy as an inspiration. I think D. Snyder might be a Christian. I think I read that somewhere along the way. I think I've read that before, too, just so you know. Yeah. I think even during the PMRC time, he might have been that. I'm not sure about that, but uh, somewhere. So it makes sense he could write a song like this and make it, you know, sort of like you're saying, Jimmy. Um, in the movie Pee-wee's Big Adventure... Twisted Sister appears in a scene where they're filming the music video for this song as Pee-wee Herman is being chased on the Warner Brothers movie lot. So that's kind of funny. I think I remember <laughs> that from the movie. Um, <laughs> and in a very strange turn of events, when the group is recording the basic tracks for this song at the record plant in New York City, the studio caught fire. They finished the album in Los Angeles. Wow. So, but, you know, I've heard some stuff like uh, with Iron Maiden, when they were doing Number of the Beast, they'd get like, you know, receipts had 666 on them and crazy stuff like that would pop up from time to time. So that's crazy. It's, it's weird how the things work out. But my uh, impression of this one, man, I'm digging that ominous kind of Black Sabbath sound they got at the start of this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I can it's too. really good, very moody. Dee's voice, you know, sells that black metalish kind of sound at the start, too. Uh, I love how that chorus breaks in and the song pops to life too. Uh, you know, band is on point, killer guitar solo, killer guitar solo. 
Everything works, like I say all the time. Man, this is a nine for me. I think it's outstanding. And this has been one of my favorites by them for a bit. So I'm I'm higher on it maybe than you guys for that reason. But this no, is another one that's bangers it's, it's, for me. So. As I've said a billion times, man, it's all in how you hear it, man. And if something strikes you, dude, don't, I mean, seriously, don't yeah. hold back. Just because I may not like it, Chris may not like yeah. it. And in case for you, sometimes you don't like it. So, I mean, I know. it's all in how you hear it, man. So, dude, it's, yeah. It's, it's been it's a one of my favorite songs on this record. So I, I probably scored it higher. It's a nine. Okay, nine for him. He said it was outstanding. I, I'm, I wouldn't disagree with that rating at all, for sure, man. You know, and I'll tell you, it, I'd probably call it my sleeper of the week too. I, it, it did stick with me. Song. So I probably, I probably was a little low when I, I don't know. Like well, I said, when I was rating this, I was kind of, I was wrestling with the, uh, uh, with the, the audio quality, quality yeah. from Spotify, which still kind of grates on my nerves a little bit. And and I would like to throw a disclaimer out if anybody's listening that. Uh, oh yeah, I should have uh, said it earlier. I had a hard time with this because I think a middle school class project was to mix, mix this, this album. Yeah. Uh, half it's of the songs are louder than the other half, which are real quiet, and there <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason to it. Uh, I mean, so I use I'm actually on the fly trying too. to make these songs level out as well, on top of trying to do it. <laughs> I mean, I used that music. Like, I didn't. I didn't hear anything. See, that's that's the thing. I didn't hear it either. Especially once I changed over to the Maxes and my. You know, I was I always listen to it pretty much on Apple Music when I'm in the house, or at least on my headphones. And if I'm in the car, if I'm with Crystal or whoever, uh, it's Spotify usually. But uh, definitely by myself and in the home, I didn't hear it. I didn't either. But thanks to score, score thanks one for, for Apple. Yeah, this yeah. thing should have been remastered at some point, and uh, it really should. It was, honestly, so. I'm surprised it hasn't been remastered. If it, if it hasn't, yeah, been this this seems so. like an album that's perfect for a remaster. It's got the song, the couple songs that would justify a remaster. I agree. I agree. You know. All right, well, let's move forward. Track four. It's called Horror Terria: The Beginning. <laughs> Here we go. So this is the longest track on the album. And, and I'm not going to take away from, I do appreciate longer tracks as a progressive you know, music fan, rock, metal. However, on a song like this, I think they could have gone with like a part one, part two type situation here and divided it up into two songs um, and make it and make it work. Um, I know Anthony's probably going to touch on this. This is a precursor to a movie. Strange Land. Strange, yep. Uh, that D. Snyder created in his mind, I guess, at this time of writing this track. I don't know. But this song is a truly a journey. It's the misadventures of Captain Howdy. Uh, I mean, kids, watch out for the black vans. No windows. We were joking about that earlier. This is some creepy, creepy stuff. 
I mean, D. Snyder had some dark stuff going through his mind when he wrote this song. There's no doubt about it. Two-part journey. The first part, slower droning style. That is the warning. And then the judgment is the second part. Uh, the second to the second part to my ears is not as good as the first part because I think it was, uh, I like that darker, heavier stuff, you know, uh, especially in this. Um, so scoring on this is tough. But what I did was um, I broke this down into two different scores. I scored the first half and I scored the second half. I took an average of both, and that's what my final score is going to be. Now, my first half of this song is absolutely, I mean, I think it's great. I found the first half to be about a seven. Street Justice, however, did not live up to the hype that the first part of the song brought in in my ears. Um, so the second part, Street Justice, it gave me a five. I averaged them both together because it's still good. It's still good. I'm not saying it's bad. It's still good. I average them both. I get a set. I get a total of a six, which means it's very good, and I'm good with that because I think it's a it's a good way to close out the first side of this album. And um, I just I would have preferred two different songs. That's all. Chris, what do you think about Horror Terrier? Yeah, you kind of touched on everything I have written down here, so <laughs> I'll just uh, and I'll kids, echo we belong to your, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, I'll kind of echo a lot of your sentiments. Uh, Captain Howdy is the better song of the two. I did the same thing. I, I I put a score on each song and I averaged it, so that's how I got my score. I feel like Captain Howdy is actually an eight, though. I think it's got a really oh. good evil vibe to it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it kind of give me that Tinker Train vibe. I don't know. It's, it's definitely the <laughs> I don't know exactly what sure. that is about, but I'm just kind of leaning in that direction. Uh, Street Justice was pretty basic. I didn't care much for that song. The chorus wasn't very discernible. Um, so I gave it a five as well. So I got a six and a half when I did my average. Okay, and I think that's pretty enough. good. I mean, that's, that's a good, doing very good and great. And I, and I really do think Captain Howdy is an exceptional song. I wish it had just been its own single, but... Right, you said right. six and a half, Chris. That's what yeah, I got. overall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anthony, what's your final? Uh, I know Anthony. I know you did this one, so go ahead. I do like this one. I just I think it's in a terrible spot on the album, personally. Um, hmm, um, I'll get into my spiel first, and I'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, okay. I I mean I like the psycho sounding intro before those thunderous evil drums and guitar kick mm-hmm. in. It sets the mood perfectly and prepares you for the, the nightmare to come, is what I wrote. Uh, Dee's voice really helps to sell the horror imagery. Uh, the slow part of the song has a wicked guitar solo in it. The A part of the song, they actually had an A part and B part when I looked it up. A part is called Captain Howdy. B part is called Street Justice. Um, I like the way that Street Justice speeds up that frantic pace. And it helps to close out, I think, the back half of the song. Great beat, great groove. I think the song works, but like I said, it's in a terrible place on this album. I see this thing going about three different ways. I've been thinking about this all week for some reason. Rush does a good job of breaking their songs up into parts. They could have done a Rush kind of style where they broke them up into parts. They could have actually maybe put the slow song here, put the B part later on in the album, come back into it, keep the flow going. Or they could have just put this whole song at the end. That way you just kind of, because I one time listened to the album with this song at the end. And the album played so much better for me because it had a nice flow to it. And it wasn't disrupted by this really long, out-of-place song. Or keep this song off the album and make it like a CD single, tape single, one of those things as sort of a promotional tool for this album. And maybe include a little story with it or something like that. There's some ways they could, I think, maybe made this song work a little better. Um, because it just seems out of place when I'm listening to this on this album even though I do really like it. But I, overall, though, I still gave it an eight. I think it's an excellent tune. And I like a lot of things about it. Um, 
I remember that movie Strangeland too from the nineties. D played the bad guy in it, and uh, I think I got a little bored with it from what I remember. But I may need to go back and revisit it. it had that sort of late nineties sort of horror vibe where they where they were not really brave enough to go too far with everything. It was like before Saw came out and all the horror porn, torture porn came out. Right. They were still playing it safe, like the Scream movies, if you want to call Scream safe. But you know what I mean. They weren't willing to really be explicit with, I think, what the movie needed to be when I saw it years ago. But, uh, yeah, I think it's an eight. excellent tune. I just think it's poorly placed on the album. I think it needs to go in another spot. So, Okay. I, I would add one thing I didn't really think about. but when I guess this was before the CD era, so the fact that you couldn't skip ahead uh, to, like, Street Justice from Captain Howdy wasn't a big deal because it was just playing on a tape anyway. So. Right, but at the same time, if it closed out a cassette side, it would have worked. Or closed out mm-hmm. a record side, it would have worked because you actually would have physically stopped right there and then flipped to the other side. This so did. it could have worked. Uh, this did close out. out. This was the last song. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. In that regard, yes. But when in streaming, I think maybe they need to put this oh, at yeah. the end or break it up or something, you know, so... I see anyway. what you're saying, man. But I still think nobody's going to fast forward to get the street justice anyway, so they're going to flip over and play on a rock. <laughs> but anyways, I tried it one time to see how I played all the songs together, playing the without this one at the very, but this one at the end, and it, it played so much differently for me. But uh, yeah, anyways, it's an eight. It's an excellent, and that's that's kind of my thoughts on it. So I know it's a long explanation, but <laughs> dude, it's it's all good. Don't even worry. All right, so let's move this forward. Second side, track five. I want to rock, Chris. So, guys, side two starts out with a banger. And I can't say enough about how great this song is. From the very beginning, the start that he yells out, I want to rock, all the way through the song. The guitar solo is absolutely fantastic, memorable. I mean, you can basically hum along to that one, sing along with that one. That's how easily it gets stuck in your mind. It's absolutely an iconic song from the 80s. It's iconic from my childhood. I mean, I, and I realize this may not get the love that I think it deserves. This is another one of those videos that was massive in the 80s that is ingrained in the back of my mind. This Twisted Sister and Rock Perfection yet again. I'm at a 10. Chris, I want to rock. Yeah, I didn't write the number down. This one was around 185 million, if I'm not mistaken, on Spotify. Uh, a little surprised that, I don't know why, in my head I always thought I Want to Rock was a little bigger hit than We're Not Going to Take It, but I'm wrong about that. It, we're not, we're not Going to Take It was definitely their top hit. Um, 
Yeah, it's another iconic rock anthem. Again, another one you can just absolutely pump your fist to when you're singing. Uh, just and one of these things, man, ridiculously easy to sing along to. It's what it takes you one listen, you know it. You know, I mean, it's just all there is to it. Uh, I, I don't think there's any question. This is a ten. Uh, you know, and I'll tell you something else. I remember there was a a, a movie around late nineties in there called uh, Road Trip. Did you guys watch it? Uh, oh, classic! You remember that? Yeah. Movie? Oh yeah. Do you remember that scene? I think they like. I don't know if they stole a school bus or they're all like some van or bus or something, and they're flying down the interstate. And this they all this song comes on the radio, and they're all just singing and like banging their head to it. <laughs> Every time I hear this song, I think of that scene for some reason. Oh my! Yeah, gosh. it's just it's That's an easy great. ten. That's great. Yeah. All right, Anthony, I want to rock. Uh, songfacts.com D. Snyder joined Twisted Sister three years after the band formed but he quickly took over the songwriting uh, he studied the craft learning how metal masterpieces were made and applying that to the songs he wrote it said in her interview with Snyder he explained his thought process behind this song I Wanna Rock was designed when I realized that Iron Maiden was having tremendous success with their sort of galloping metal rhythms. And then there was the anthemic thing that I like to do, which bands like ACDC do. And one of my biggest influences, especially in that area, Slade, he said. I thought that if I could combine the Drive of a Maiden song with the anthemic quality of an ACDC song, I'd have an effing huge hit. And I was right. So there's another one pulling from that. Uh, you know, inspiration from Mutt Lang again. ACDC, yeah, he, he was huge on Back in Black. So why didn't he just uh, hire Mutt Lang? They not have that's the what money. I was thinking. Heck, he, <laughs> must have been. He must have been just. But, well, you got to think about it. He was probably the biggest rock producer in the world uh, at that time because of the the ACDC, Def Leppard. I mean, I mean this, arguably two of the greatest sell albums in the era. I'm sure. But they Back had just clawed their way out of the clubs to this album. I think basically. So I don't think they really they didn't really have the clout <clears throat> yeah. to pull a Mutt Lang for an album like this. So could could um, be true. But speaking with what Chris was saying about not being as big, uh, it also said Twisted Sister is sometimes considered a one-hit wonder with We're Not Gonna Take It. Totally disagree. But even though this song itself stalled at number 68, it had a huge cultural impact and enjoyed lots of airplay for years to come. VH1 put it at number 20 on their list of the top 40 greatest metal songs of all time. So um, it really didn't get the love it deserves, so... But yeah, man, it's a it's a thirty for us. It's a ten for me. It's perfection. I mean, had he not bailed out that opening line to the song, we all did that when it came on and pumped oh, our yeah. fist. Uh, let's see what else I got here. This is another one of those that came out of the eighties that was huge. Everything just works, you know. D's fantastic. Drums are thunderous. Guitar is blistering. What do you want to say about it? Yada yada yada. It's a ten. It's perfection. So fantastic. All right, so here we go. We're going to go to track number six. It's called a price. Let's do it. And if Chris flushes this one, our friendship ends today. Not this one.
All right, guys. So the price is actually the third single from this album. And this is what's crazy is I don't remember this being a single at all. Had no clue it was a single. I just know I liked the song back in the day uh, on this record. Um, I mean, I knew the song from the first listen. I haven't listened to this album in years. I knew it from the very first listen that came back instantly. And most listeners of this podcast knows how I feel about ballady type songs for the most case. Uh, but this one really does reverberate with me. Uh, I love this song from the first time I listened to it back in 84. And time hasn't changed that at all. It's an excellent tune, almost outstanding. The price is an eight and a half. Chris, actually, if this wouldn't be a single, this would have been my sleeper, just so you guys know. Uh, but Chris, what did you think about uh, the price? You know, I'll tell you when it started playing, uh, I kind of, I, I know these guys came out a lot later, uh, but it kind of reminded me that Sometimes She Cries by Warrant. Mm, no, uh, the way that. the guitar and stuff I could hear that, in. yeah. Yeah, when I, I was like, I kept listening to that, and I was like, that that reminds me of something. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. It finally came to me. Uh, it's probably the most uh, glam metal sounding song they have on this album, as far as that goes. Uh, chorus is pretty good. Uh, pretty decent guitar solo. Uh, I'm not super high on it, but I gave it a six. I think it's a very good song. I mean, it's not like my favorite on here. I'm a little surprised it's a single, honestly. Like I said, Stay Hungry should have been a single. Uh, I agree with that. Not too. this, but whatever. I mean, I, and at the time, I'm not sure glam metal was really. Was it taken off by this point? I guess not it was, really, it but was, getting there, it was I guess. Starting right? to, it was starting yeah. to, to bubble, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. So maybe, maybe they were trying to ride that wave. Maybe they thought, okay, this is starting to take off. Let's see if we can. I don't know. Seems like D. Snyder put a lot of thought into how to like craft these songs and market this album. So maybe he was just thought he could catch like an early wave there or something. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I don't agree. I'll be honest with Chris. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think it's very good. Okay, Anthony, what do you think about the price? Well, our friendship can remain then if you give it a six. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not really great on that, but at the same time, I'll allow that. You go below a six, we got issues. Uh, songfacts.com. This song is about the sacrifices we make to achieve our goals. Twisted Sister was on the verge of a breakthrough when D wrote this song, but it was a long struggle to reach that point. Snyder joined the band in 1976, and they gradually built a following in the New York City area with their live shows. Their first album, Under the Blade, was issued in 1982, followed by You Can't Stop Rock and Roll in 1983. It was during the recording of You Can't Stop Rock and Roll that Snyder wrote the Stay Hungry album, including this track. The dream did indeed come true, and the album became a huge hit, led by the singles, We're Not Gonna Take It and I Wanna Rock. But when it was written, this dream was anything but a sure thing. And this was released as the third single from the Stay Hungry album, uh, following We're Not Gonna Take It and I Wanna Rock. It didn't chart. That's probably why you don't remember it, Jimmy. But the song became a fan favorite in the group's most popular ballad. And I know there's a video out there, too, like a road video or a stage video of them doing this song. So there's even a video for it, but it still didn't chart. So kind of crazy stuff. Right on, man. But it's a ballot. I mean, you guys know I'm high on ballots. I love a good ballot. And this is another favorite song of mine by them. It's just a great ballot. Everything you could ever want from a ballot can be found here. Love the ebbs and flows. D proves that he can actually sing on this song. He hits some notes in here that I was surprised by. You know, he gets high and he actually makes it sound really good. Um, band is on point. Guitar solo is what it should be for a song like this. It's a nine for me. I think it's outstanding. I've, I've always been a big fan of this one too. So, 
Fantastic. All right. Well, let's rock this out to the seventh song. It's called Don't Let Me Down. Chris? So this one starts out frantically and has promise, but Dee's vocal delivery just doesn't grab me for some reason. And it's and the song itself didn't really grab me as so many songs before on this record. And they all can't be zingers, and I get that. And this one, in my opinion, it falls short to what we have heard throughout the record thus far. Um, I mean, musically, it reminds me of some classic 70s styling, but vocally and lyrically not grabbing me as anything memorable. Um, this one just scores above mediocre to my ears. This is my flush. It's it's my least favorite song. I mean, I, I, I think it falls below being good. I don't think it's good. This one would be a skipper in my ears. I've got a four and a half on this. Um, and I know it's that's low, but never has grabbed me. Honestly, I'll be honest with you, from the price to SMF, I don't remember these two songs, Anthony. Uh, and I had this cassette and listened to it a lot back in the day. <laughs> yeah. But the, you know, I mean, it's just something I must have skipped. I, I don't know. It just didn't grab me then. It doesn't grab me now. You know, I, I gave it a fair shake this week. Just never did grab my ears. So yeah, four and a half. I think it's it's fair. I don't think it's bad, awful. It's just you know, it's, it's I think Twisters could do that. better. That's all. All right, Chris, what do you think about uh, "Don't Let Me Down"? So you don't remember these two songs? Yeah, this, this song and like, the next song. Yeah, but okay. I think the next song's a better tune as these two are. But yeah, this one right here is just the. It's my flush. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. This this, uh, this isn't your flush, Chris. No, the next song is my flush. I'm wow, okay. Yeah. I don't see how the beast uh, could be a flush, but okay, go uh, This is that's it. You want me to flush this one instead? They're pretty even in my ears, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, this would be my uh, flush. So Yeah, this is a... Uh, only... I'm going to... I had to look this up. AJ Pirro is the drummer. He's the only mm-hmm. shining star on this song, honestly. The, the drums were pretty good. The bass probably would have been good if the, if the music production was better. Yeah. They should have spent a little money and got mud in there to mix this fucking thing properly. Pardon my French. But. I don't think they had that. Right, here we go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we go. Now i got to drop the explicit tag. But I was just irritated today, or this week, trying to like mix this album. It's just irritating. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It, it feels like a rocker, but it's generic as hell. It really is. Uh, like I said, the drummer does a pretty good job. There is a dueling guitar solo that comes in on different channels again, which... Uh, I said earlier, nice. I, yeah. that's pretty good. Uh, you know, I appreciate that. Uh, even though it's not that easy to capture, I didn't capture it on this. But you know, it's it's when sometimes it's hard to do that. But yeah, I gave it a, I gave it a five. Uh, oh, 
that's good and i'm not sure it's good but because it is kind of a eh, honestly it could have been my flush they're very similar so okay okay this one or the next yep. anthony don't let me down yeah you know it's a solid tune like i said if i was picking a flush it would probably be this one too mm. but it's still got a lot of th- a lot going for it that i do like uh, it's got the energy of Twisted Sister. It's got these vocals again. It's got a good driving beat, good guitar solo, but it definitely feels like a song that isn't as strong as the other ones. I still gave it a six. I think it's a very good tune, but uh, um, I might have gone a little notch higher. It might have been more of a five, but it's still a pretty solid tune for me. It, it doesn't kill the album for me in any ways, but it definitely doesn't feel like it. It's to the level of the rest that's come before it. That's the thing, Anthony. I'm comparing that song to the rest of this record. And prior to this, it's basically a pretty solid rock album at this point. But but I got you, man. My rating on this one is probably in line with where I am on this album already because I'm a little higher than you guys on a lot of these other songs. So on some of these other songs. So a six for me is... That's yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's makes sense. extremely low for you, Anthony. That's true. That's, yeah, right, right. That's Especially basically like I like. hate this song. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I try to find something to like in most oh, of the stuff God. I listen to, except Alice in Chains. They suck. We like gotta, we ones. gotta be a, uh, we gotta be a little bit uh, aggressive on some of this stuff. All right, let's go to track number eight. It's called the Beast, Chris. Okay, so The Beast. This one starts off with a nice guitar riff and a bass roll, and this song actually starts to groove. These vocals kick in, and he tries to take over the song. Um, Just like the previous song, this one suffers from something that just isn't grabbing me, but it's certainly better than Don't Let Me Down. It seems that this one was something that I I must have skipped a lot, as as I discussed on the previous tune uh, when I was younger, and that feeling really hasn't changed much. There's something that, that D is trying to do on this song that just isn't meshing with me at this point. Um, but once again, it's, I'm not saying it's a bad song. It's just something once again, compared to those first six songs, it just doesn't stand up to being as good songs, good itself, but it's just not great or not very good. I'm at a five and of course that's, it's good. It's just, it doesn't really stand out as a uh, standout. I know Chris, I know what's coming. So go ahead. Chris's flush of the week. I think you're wrong about that. Yes, I think uh, this is my flush. Uh, look, there is heavy riffage going on at the beginning of this song, which I appreciate. 
I just don't think it even sounds like D's vocals. I mean, it doesn't sound like him. He's trying to do some weird effect with his yeah, voice Yeah, there was something, something weird there, yeah. Uh, the chorus is a little catchy, but not much. Uh, that's really the only bright spot of this song. I'd skip it every time if it came on the the, the radio. There's not even much of a guitar solo in this one. Uh, it's a meh for me. Yeah, four. All right, Anthony, what do you think about The Beast? I think you're both wrong. Um, this, <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> this is a, I, I'm sorry. I like The Beast, man. The Beast is a killer tune. It's uh, debatable. It's another one of those ominous Black Sabbath sounding songs that I think simply works. It's got a nasty groove to it. I love the way it thumps and pounds. Ominous and dark stuff with thick horror elements that I just enjoy so much. I love horror stuff. You know, this song works for me, man. I think it's eight. It's an excellent tune, and I like what Dee's doing with his voice. It's got a different sound to a different feel, but it really fits this song. You know, it really drives this song home for me when he's got that voice going. So I think it's excellent. I gave it an eight. So Okay, uh, fair enough. It, just, closes. it hit me, man. So <laughs> No, no, dude, it's all it's all in how you hear it, dude. It's just, I'm just kind of surprised you guys don't like this one a little more. It has more of a I can see the song delivery. before it. With more no. a little more generic sound, but this yeah. one has more of a, oh, you know, kind of want to get out. Vocal delivery, it's man. not his. It's not the vocals. It's aren't not good. the song. It's See, the I like those delivery. vocals though. I like them. I think they sound really cool on this song. Yeah, I just, you know, it's because it's probably the most different vocally song on this entire record. And, right. Yeah. And I just, yeah, it just I, never did I, grab me, man. I'm you digging know. them though. I think they sound cool, man. <laughs> That's good. That's good. All right. Last song, SMF. Chris. SMF. This is what the fans of Twisted Sister are called. SMFs. Now, this song is absolutely a banger of a closer. I enjoyed the slower start, and then it, the riff thickens up, and the song develops into an anthem, like I just spoke about. That's become uh, it's it's become the Twisted Sister fan fan club name, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sick MFers. You know that's that's yeah. what it stands for. I always have enjoyed this song. I mean, it's a crowd pleaser. Uh, and although this song isn't one of the 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 outstanding ones on this record, it is still an excellent one. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't peak at outstanding. However, when you compare this to the previous two songs, this could probably be easily said outstanding. Um, but it is the perfect closer in this album, in my ears, and that's something I always kind of want to I want to hear when I want to hear a closing of a record. I think it's memorable. 
easy to sing along with. It's got a fun guitar solo. This is absolutely an eight. I think it's a great way to close. Chris, what do you think about SMF? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I put in my notes here. It's slightly repetitive in the chorus. Uh, this is the Mutt Lang influence, right? I mean, it really is. I didn't even think about that. Uh, it, it, I kind of jotted that down after Anthony brought that up. Uh, you know, it's a short song, but it really does kind of have that kind of rock anthem feel to it. Uh, I think it's a really good closer as well. I think it's a good way to kind of, I didn't know it was a fan club name. That's interesting. Um, I don't have a ton of notes on this. I just, I mean, it just, to me, it was like a pretty good way to close the album. I gave it a seven. I think it's a great, just, you know, up front there. That's a good score, man. But, uh, yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, it's only three minutes long. So it was, I guess the shortest song on the album. And there's some short songs on this album, but, uh, I don't know. It's like kind of like, I said this in the past. It could have gone a little longer, really. I mean, it's, it was just a, it just seemed over so fast. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, it's a great, great way to close the album, and it probably leaves you wanting more. I'm not sure what the next album did. Was it any good at all? Or it, it didn't do anything, honestly. Yeah. I think that fell on its face, and I don't know why it did. Uh, didn't that maybe, the one that was with "Don't with Be Cruel to Your School" or something? They got cruel. Well, the name of the album is "Come Out and Play," and um, and it's. Or is that the one after? I don't even know what the I don't even know what songs were on that one. Let's see here. Yeah, be cruel to your school. Had Alice Cooper. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, how do you spell? How, they, how do they spell cruel in school in that one, Jimmy? Yeah, C H R O O L and S C U E L. So be cruel <laughs> to your school. Okay. Right off the bat, man, you're like, come on, guys, you're better <laughs> well, than this. They set themselves up for success, flowing right failed. into a next album pretty well. Yeah. That you know, it's on them that they didn't do that on the next album. But uh, yeah, great way to close the album, I think. I was, yeah, it's unbelievable, unbelievable. All right, so uh, Anthony, what do you think about this closing track, SMF? Yeah, songfacts.com. The title is an initialism, initialism for sick mother effer. So that's what it stands for, according to Song Facts. Feel free to drop the F word. Word I've already. Sick motherfucker, <laughs> man. I've, I've already. I've got to drop the explicit tag from earlier anyway. So. Um, by this time, the band had been around since 1973. And while most of their audience discovered the band through their MTV hits, We're Not Gonna Take It and I Wanna Rock, they had a loyal following from their years slogging it out in clubs. Introducing this song at concerts when Twisted Sister was at the peak of their powers. Lead singer and songwriter Dee Snyder said, This is a song that will probably never make it to the radio, and it's a song that not everybody's going to like. It's a song for the real friends of Twisted Sister, the people who have been there through the 1983 album, You Can't Stop Rock and Roll, back through Under the Blade. This one is for you. So this one's for the fans. And uh, me personally, man, I think it's closing strong. It's another in-your-face tune, which Twisted Sister does so well so well it's got a nice gallop to it d is pouring all he has to in the vocals band is pounding out that beat again no issues man seven i think it's a great tune and i probably should have given this one an eight because it is a great tune man. i, I, do I, like I love the song i think it's fabulous i saw something too where uh, i didn't write it down but tipper gore was trying to get on him about him being i guess i don't know if she was being getting on him wanting to get on him but she asked him what uh his club's name was, you know, he was trying to be all like, we're not bad. We're not evil. And she was like, what's the name of your club again? And he's like, Oh, we're called the sick motherfuckers. You know, I told Tipper Gore that trying to get, you know, it didn't land, I guess with her, but, uh, well, what sure. she was trying to do, but I thought it's kind of funny. There's a whole conversation on song facts between him and Tipper Gore talking about, 
Was this like what a leads into radio that, interview so. or something? Or what, 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 no, it was like in the, at, uh, that trial they did back years ago where oh, D actually okay, went to, I guess he went to Congress. Was it Congress? Was it up there somewhere like that? And these other artists went up there and they went to protest these record labels that were they were calling at the time, I guess, you know. No, it wasn't record labels. They were protesting. They were protesting the, um, the people that were behind it, like Tipper Gore and Al Gore. Yeah, yeah, they, they were protesting. Not the record label. They were protesting the uh, the explicit tags, what I'm trying to take. Not the record label, the ex- explicit tags. <coughs> right. That's why I went up there. Pearl clutching Karens, weren't they? Like, trying to, <laughs> that's basically exactly. what they were. I mean. Exactly. So, uh, A bunch yeah. of moms that probably sit around and don't work all day, and then they wind up uh, – Trying to come up with some cause to try Their to nickname shut down was the some Washington Wives, just so you know. Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, compared to the songs on the radio today, I mean, these songs are. This is tame. Tame, tame. I mean, oh, I'd no. much rather There's my nothing kids. Nothing on this album that should have been censored. Nothing. I'd rather hear my kids hear SMA. Is there any real profanity on this album? I don't think so. Not really. Even they, even SMA, they don't the say it. That's it. I mean, get a little worried, these people. Just like, I mean, look at the today's music. They saw his face on the cover, and they're like, okay, we got to go after this guy. That's it. Exactly. That's what it was. But today's music, I mean, the rap music and stuff, it's got so much violence in it. And oh, t- dude, it, it's, and it, it amazes language. me what's allowed on the radio today. It really so does compared what to what you guys what are we saying is, it's a shame that the PMRC did not succeed in the 80s because we wouldn't have what we have today. <laughs> is that what you're telling nah, me? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, not saying that, that at all. what they went after back then compared to what's allowed now is just <laughs> ridiculous. But of course, back in the 80s, this was probably, it's like when you go back into the 60s and they see Psycho for the first time, people are like, oh my God, hell is on earth now, you know? And then you see 31, Guys, which I watched last night. It's like night and day, man. <laughs> I can pretty much go ahead and tell you this is the domino effect of what happened. So this is, yeah. you know, you got to take... What you wanted then, you didn't realize what it could lead to. Right. And however, I'm still appreciative of all this stuff. And, and, I, and I'm glad that we have the freedoms that we have here. Obviously, the freedom of speech, sing what you want, do whatever you want. But uh, that is, that's the reason why we have the garbage that we have today is because this stance that, the, uh, that DC had back then for music being released. And it's insane how tame it is compared to what so it is So you're now. saying John Jesus Denver God. helped to bring about gangster rap? I think so. Yeah, I believe he was the grandfather of gangster rap. If I'm not mistaken, you can quote me on that one. Go ahead and tweet that. Because if he out. was there at the trial, protesting this stuff, he was. Uh, well, this was this it. would have been in the era prior to gangster rap. So no, I was like, I'm not sure. What what stance was John Denver taking on this? Was he for it or against it? He was against. He it. was against it. He was against the PMR album. It was. It was in his no, mind. In all record. these artists' mind, it was censorship. They were censoring. Okay, so he was against censorship. Yeah, basically. That's okay. what I just want to make sure because I couldn't quite tell the way y'all were talking. If it sounded almost yeah. sound like he was on the PMRC side. Dude. You would okay, think. I got you. No, he wasn't. No, I wouldn't he think. Was... I mean, I just, I, I don't know. It's, he's an odd person. Bringing. I mean, they this probably got on him for that uh, Rocky Mountain High by around the campfire getting high. They probably got on him about that. So he probably was like, Yeah, I'm sure Tipper was like, Hmm. Smoking weed by campfire. No, we don't have that. (laughs) Smoking weed. All right. Let's close this out with some final thoughts, guys. All right. So final thoughts on this. Obviously, um, depending on which streaming service you choose, the production is going to be garbage. It's a little little bit better on Apple Music uh, from my personal experience this past week. Um, The quality of the stream is honestly what can sway a listener. If you got to listen to something that doesn't sound good, you're not going to like it. You're not going to want to listen to it. And I get where Chris was coming from this week. Uh, although I did find a little bit better quality stream and I have a little bit more familiarity with this album. Um, I'm confident mastering could do this thing justice. Remaster this album. It's going to be better. 
aside from that, this album is one of my favorites as a kid, man. I remember getting this uh, cassette just after it came out in the summer of 84. I was Like I said, I was at my grandfather's house, Jackson, Kentucky, of all places. A little record store down from just down the street from the dime store had it. And, I mean, my mom would give me and my brother like $20 each to spend for the two weeks we were there with my grandparents. And, um, holy crap, I listened to this cassette nonstop once I bought it. And this probably would have been maybe late June, July-ish. Uh, so it had only been out for a couple months, but because of the video play of We're Not Going to Take It and I Want to Rock, uh, I think is the main reason why I wanted it. Uh, but man, I really did love it. This album is probably part of my DNA from my early listening years. Um, revisiting it was fun. Um, as I've gotten older, I'm able to identify weaknesses throughout the album. Uh, and also I can spotlight the greatness of this album a little bit more uh, evenly. Um, it's a fantastic listen. I mean, it is certainly worthy of a revisit. Stay Hungry song, not a single, absolute standout on this record. Um, and the price, I think it's a standout. Um, my overall came in at a 7.7. I'm good with that rating. Uh, I think that it is the best in the Twisted Sister discography. If you go back and listen to any Twisted Sister, you're probably going to be like, well, eh, meh. Uh, but this one is the standout release, and it's certainly the one I would recommend listening to in their discography. And it certainly is certain. It's a fun listen. I think it's a good pick. Chris. What'd you think about Stay Hungry? Yeah, I'll tell you this album. Um, it's kind of, I guess if I'm best way to put it, it's probably kind of hit and miss for me. Uh, I feel like the first half was pretty solid. Take away Holy the God. second half of Horror Terror, uh, and then of course I want to rock comes in, and that's just a great way to start the second half. Uh, the price, maybe a few more listens, I would have been a little higher on. Definitely didn't care for the, the SMF was. A, pretty decent closer but there were beyond that like you know don't let me down the beast street justice just trash in my opinion i, I hate to say that but it's just generic that's just what it is uh you know it's funny you look at the the album cover and, and i've always honestly kind of for lack of a better word just kind of thought of these guys as a joke and i think it's because because their extreme appearance maybe uh it's kind of like the the steel panther effect it's like it's hard to to listen to these guys looking at them and think okay these are guys are serious musicians they're just trying to they're just trying to like shock people and trying to uh, generate some sort of response from their appearance um uh, i mean you know and that's probably unfair of me to say that because i know this is when glam metal was taken off a lot of guys were dressing you know with the the aquanet and the makeup and whatever and then you look at this cover and you're like, well, this dude's a straight up transvestite. Like, I, I don't quite know exactly what he's doing here, but, but, you know, I think he's trying to make fun of the genre. It's kind of what I always thought looking at him. I know they had two huge hits. I mean, those are arguably some of the biggest hits from the eighties. And I, I just, I don't know. Like I, I never really quite knew how to put my finger on these guys. And I'm still not sure. I, I will say this after listening to this album this week. I, I have come away thinking they're a little better musicians than maybe I first realized. Uh, I think I think D, after some of the stuff Anthony said, uh, is is very uh, logical in his thinking. I think he's he's calculated. He's always trying to, like, move the band ahead. I think, you know, kind of like observing the way, like, Mutt Lang was doing stuff with Def Leppard, for instance, and trying to emulate that. Uh, you know, that shows that he's like a pretty good leader. I think he kind of is trying to move it forward. Like I said, um, you know, the two big hits, I think stay hungry. was a fantastic song. Burning hell was pretty solid. I liked captain. Howdy, the groove in that. 
And I think SMF was a pretty good closer. So it was a pretty good album overall. Uh, my final was 7.0. It kind of surprised me a little bit. I thought it might be a little lower than that, but there was some stuff in there that kept it pretty high. That's great overall. I think that's fair for, for what this is. Like okay. I said, it's hit and miss for me, but but there was a lot of good stuff. There's some kernels in there I didn't expect. So, yeah, I think that's a fair score for this album. Excellent. Anthony, stay hungry. Final thought. What was your rating again, Jimmy? Mine came out it. to be a 7.7. 7. Okay. Yeah, we're all similar. Uh, Wikipedia, I had a couple of things on there that I thought were interesting that didn't fit anywhere on the on this the thing, so I wanted to get, throw these out there. Uh, metal Rules ranked the album number five on their list of the top 50 glam metal albums. In 2016, Loudwire, Loudwire, can't say that word, ranked the album at number six on their list of the top 30 hair metal albums. And in 2017, Rolling Stone listed the album at number 76 on the list of the 100 greatest metal albums of all time. So I thought wow. that was some interesting facts. I couldn't fit them into the anywhere in the songs, but I thought that's kind of interesting. This album has received that much praise. Um, and it still doesn't have a good re-edit. So come on, people, get with it. <laughs> Remix this thing. Let's get it back out there for streaming. So, uh, Me personally, man, mine came out to be 8.3, which puts it just shy of excellent, and I'm more than fine with that. There are many great songs on the album. It's an album that I can easily recommend to those who listen to us or anybody who just wants some good, hard-hitting, heavy rock and roll, heavy metal kind of music. Just want something to turn up loud and get lost in. This is your this is your jam right here. So, uh, yeah. I'm good, good with that. And well, Let uh, me ask you guys. I'm curious. Do you think their image kind of led to their downfall? I think it was short-lived. I don't believe that it was as popular. I mean, I think the shock rock factor is what yeah. made this probably a little bit more successful than what you, you may have realized. Um, but I think that it was short-lived because the substance wasn't there. Exactly. You got to have the substance to, in order to make it go. That's why you have the Iron Maidens that have sub, just survived and absolutely dominated throughout the 80s. Yeah, these guys are. I, I know we're comparing they're, they're not apples the same and oranges. Plane, yeah. I, I get it. But you got to think about it. Maiden had the chops. Maiden had the vocals. They had a look that was not outside outlandish. This was more, and I, you're jokingly talking about the transvestite look there. But, uh, I mean, all seriousness. Well, that look had to hurt them in the long run. I don't think you can sustain that. People I, looked at that I and were like, I don't right. want to see this. Like, I mean, that's what Maybe. I thought when I was a kid. Yeah, I get it. Because you don't want to see a, a grown man wearing pink makeup or whatever yeah, you're, you're, it's not even that know. it's because i mean poison did the same thing it's just they it weren't did. trying to make a joke of it i mean which i kind of i guess thought uh these guys were i don't know but i'll say this you have two massive hits on this album and it sounded kind of like d was doing it all on his own from the way what you guys are saying why was there not some massive producer out there that was like all right i'm taking you guys under my wing we're gonna do this next album and we're gonna kill it and have maybe some songwriters that helped him out a little bit because like these guys just fell off the face of the earth after this album, and it was a huge, two huge hits on this thing. I mean, really, it could be one of those things where they just they built their club days up, they had this massive album, and then they just didn't know how to follow it up. You know, they didn't have the, maybe they didn't have the right manager, they didn't have the right record producer, maybe they didn't have somebody somebody in their corner. Maybe D was trying to pull the train along because he has stayed in the spotlight since yeah. this album yeah, but outside of Twisted point. Sister 
And he's still know. recorded music, Anthony. I mean, he recorded the banger of an album a couple years back that was, you know, D. Snyder, not Twisted Sister. And he was right. fantastic. I mean, he's, he's had like hard, a hard podcast stuff. out too, uh, and he's done good with that. He's been on some movies. He's D has stayed around relatively. He's been on some reality shows. He has. Um, but I just think the band just they blew up at that one time, and they couldn't follow it up. Quite right, it happened to them too. Really, with yeah, Metal they're Hell. very similar bands. I agree, hundred percent, man. Quite yeah. right. It's and they had the rock anthem, you know, mm-hmm. Metal Health. It's just like how I don't know how you can be that successful off of one album and have nothing after that. I just don't. I mean, it, it's a I'll argue you're quite man. right. Condition Critical and QR Three have some good stuff on them, but uh, anyway, yeah, but you know, <laughs> pop popularity wise, it just like yeah. dropped off a, a cliff after that album. I, I don't get it. I think it's just one. I think the band worked hard to get to this point. They got here. They blew up really bigger. Maybe they meant to blow up, and they didn't have a reason, a way to to pull themselves through all that hype and everything. Because maybe they weren't strong enough as a band to do that. I'm not really a fan of this mindset, but you know, you look at like country music today. There are so many people, songwriters out there and stuff that are like. The reason these people can maintain success is not because they're musical geniuses. It's because they got a team of songwriters helping them stay relevant. And I would think that's like kind of what Mutt Lang did for some of these bands in the 80s. Uh, I would think, you know, there's, there's, I'm sure some of that went on in the hair metal. Uh, I don't really know that clearly didn't go on with these guys. I don't know if DJs didn't want anybody's help or what, but like, it seems know. like they could have done some more rock anthem type music if, if they'd have had just a little they, bit of help. Think, you know what I mean? I think they tried that was like that be cruel to your school. I think they were trying again with something like that. And they did like Leader yeah. of the Pack, that old song. They redid that song. Okay. They changed it to the gender specific where it's a boy to girl instead of girl to boy. You know, that sort of <laughs> okay. thing. So they did try, I think, try to kind of recapture a little bit of this magic, but I just don't think they were strong enough as a band to do it. Yeah. Feels like there's a discussion there, but I just I don't quite even know where how to put my finger on it. It just and, you I know, don't know. As far as their looks go, I think they were trying to emulate those bands from the seventies that when it uh like I think Sweet was one band that did it. T Rex was doing this kind of androgynous sort of thing back in the day. And that's kinda of when they came up through that scene with the New York dolls and people like that. I think they were trying to be more like those bands, looks wise. But that is um, not the key to mainstream success, my friend. It's not yeah. But I think New maybe York they didn't Dolls care about that. I don't know, but managed to stick around throughout music history, not so much maybe popularity throughout the years for just who was in it. I, I want to so. I'm gonna throw a little caveat out to you guys. So um, we we I compared Twisted Sister and Iron Maiden. I want you guys to know that on the Stay Hungry tour, they opened for Iron Maiden's <laughs> slave World Slavery tour in '84, '85. So yeah, the they came to Johnson City. Second concert ever. Really? I'd like to have seen that, man. It was in January. It's cold as crap. But yeah. You, you went to this thing? You're January 85, yeah. Oh, wow. So, Twisted Sister and Maiden in 85. That yeah. was quite the show, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I just, I would remember that. I was like, God Almighty, when did that happen? I was looking it up. I was like, holy crap, that was 1985. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I remember those cold nights, and I stood outside when we saw Death Leopard and Tesla. It was, I think it was January, and it was cold as crap trying to get into that place. So. I think it was cold when I saw Aerosmith, too. So One, yeah. two, three, four. <laughs> Open the effing door. <laughs> yeah, that's what it used to be. It was a yeah. chant back in the day. Like, keep everybody out there freezing in a big line. All right, boys, we have been rambling. we got to continue. going to move forward. It's time for a pick. Y'all ready to do this? And in this corner... 
Weighing in at approximately 200 pounds is the master of metal, the guru of guitar, and a lover of all things harmonica. He's our fearless leader. It's Jimmy with his Pick of the Week! So, for the listeners out there, November is our next podcast, and November for the Audible Ecstasy podcast is Country Music Month. Uh, We had great success last year. Lots of uh, folks gave us props, and um, and I'll be honest with you, after we did my my choice, the the White Yoakum last year, I I picked the White Yoakums. If you guys haven't heard, go back and listen to that review. Which, which, by the way, is our most listened to episode ever. (laughs) Yeah, dude, that's crazy. It that's me, crazy. But it is. But uh, nonetheless, ever since I picked that, the album I'm about to pick, which is no surprise to these two knuckleheads here, but uh, the album I'm about to pick, I honestly wanted to pick it in December because that's how much fun I had doing this country music revisit last year. So my pick, guys, is the 1991 debut album from the band Brooks and Dunn. It's called Brand New Man. You guys know what it is. Now the listeners at home know what our next review is going to be. Um, I think this is a uh, it's a great album. It's going to be a fun listen. I know you guys have had a sneak peek, at least one day of listening, so to speak, and hope you guys enjoy it. Now, Chris, if I understand correctly, we have to skip next week and come back the uh, week after. Is that correct? I theoretically could make it happen, but it'd be better if, if you guys don't mind to give me a let's, – let's marinate on this one for two weeks, and then we can just run through November there if you want to. Yeah, I got to play totally catch fine. up on my other podcast anyways. That'd be a perfect yeah. week to do that. So All right. So, yeah. So, we're going to have a, a two-week uh, two week listen, a one-week break, if you will. And, um, guys, we're going to go – we're we're going to go right into Country Music Month with uh, a fantastic listen. Uh, I have to say, Jimmy, I've I've – give us a cursory listen after you kind of kind of let us know that's what it was going to be and my god it's gonna be hard to beat that i mean this is this is a <laughs> solid album from beginning to end album. it's very it's gonna be very difficult to beat this so yeah well the the, the gauntlet has been thrown so i can't wait to see what the overalls are going to be <laughs> i'm gonna be i'll be curious to see what the overalls are going to be on this record uh, I, i'm this track listing is absolutely fantastic. You know, we can't get into it, but uh, I made myself a Paloma and was on the back deck last night listening to this thing. And my God, it was just hit after I could sing every word, man. I, I, the whole album, I know, man. I, I don't. I didn't even realize I knew all these songs. I was looking at the track list. I was like, I don't remember that song. It started playing. I was like, Oh yeah, I know that song. I mean, it's just Chris, dude, unbelievable, gonna, man. This album. I mean, it came out in '91. This is when I got my, my my Nissan truck back in the day. Same time you guys, you had your truck, and I think this album was probably on constant play because you know the summer of '91. This was a you know brand new man had just come out. The the song didn't, and at the end of summer in August when this was released. Yeah, dude, it was it was all listening probably for a year. I mean, honestly, it was, it's it was a tremendous one of, album. It's it one really of the is. greatest country albums I'd ever listened to at the time. So, wow. All right, Anthony, before we close this out, I want to see uh, what you got going on this week. Uh, song lines and tan lines. This is the week I lose half my audience because uh, uh, <laughs> Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> no, I am debuting. You build up my, such a good the, uh, audience, man. Uh, no, if, if you don't like country here, swing to mine on Wednesday. Cause I'm going to do the rush debut album. Oh, you are going to lose them. Yep. So, and only reason why <laughs> I, I have moved this album from bonus to being a bonus here to there. I haven't recorded. And the problem was I was trying to finish the rewrite on my novel last week and I had nothing recorded. 
So I was like, well, I've got this recorded. Let's throw it out there and see what happens. And it's not like Rush Rush kind of album, that first one. It's more like what's a Zeppelin kind of sounding. They got going to it. So it might play a little differently. So so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So if you want to continue an audible ecstasy kind of vibe, swing over to mine on Wednesday and listen to Rush and see what you think about it. So might as well throw it we'll out do, there and just sir. see what happens, man. We'll so. do. As you know, I know that me and you are the only ones that really appreciate Rush, and I get it, Chris. It's not fair. It's not <laughs> – believe me, my wife, my wife hates Rush. But I, well, you know, when I made the podcast, I called it Song Lines and Tan Lines. Tan Lines was supposed to be for Jimmy Buffett. Song Lines is for other avenues of music, and that's right. why I have those two titles. So I'm really going to explore the Song Lines part of my podcast this week. So, you know. Dude, but I found a way awesome. to tie it nicely into Buffett, so I think everybody will say, okay, cool. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. All right, kiddos. For the Audible Ecstasy Podcast, this is Jimmy. This is Chris. This is Anthony. And this is it. <laughs> <laughs>